Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> uh, my name's Simon. It's good to see you here. Let me just clear my throat for a second. <clears throat> that sounds better. Uh, I wonder what, whether you uh, have a good working definition of healthy, what healthy looks like. Um, I, I Googled it, uh, even worked out what is, uh, what is it, how do you live for a long time? What are the, what's the secrets? Uh, one of the simplest formulas I saw was just four things, you know, move more, eat less, be well connected with people, and, and do things that actually you believe in, uh, rather than what everyone else just expects you to do. That's not a bad little four-way four formula, is it? How to be healthy. We're, we're running a, a series starting today on growing a healthy church. Uh, when you stepped outside your door today, uh, got into your car or onto your bike before you came to church, uh, you may have looked at your garden uh, and uh, I wonder whether you had a, just a nanosecond to think whether, what, whether your garden is healthy or not. And what goes, well, if you think about your healthy garden, what do you think? Uh, is, it, is it full of weeds? Does it need cuttings? Does it need pruning? Is it, is it watering? What does it need in order to grow the way that you want it to grow? And so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about a healthy church. This series is not a criticism. It's just that we want to do some gardening. We want to actually look at what does a healthy church look like uh, and, move, and, and move forward. Uh, I know that um, uh, I should do this more often, but only once a year I take my car to the mechanic to, give it, to get a good service. Uh, and I want the mechanic just to do, do a run over, make sure that that car will run for another 12 months. Uh, they check the oils, they check the water, they check the windscreen wipers, they check all that sort of stuff uh, and say, yes, they even plug in a computer, you know, a diagnostic tool to say what's going on with this car so that it will run again for the next 12 months and do what it's supposed to do, the functioning of the car. Uh, when it comes to your own health, you probably have an, an, an inner sense of how you're feeling and whether you're on track or not. You know, when that, you know that moment when you feel a cold coming on? And you know that there's, it's just a nagging feeling in the back of your throat and you think, uh-oh, that's going to be a few days now. Of, it's going to grow. You just have a sense of your, of your own body, don't you? But sometimes you're not sure what to do. So what do you do? You go to the Google doctor and you Google it and, uh, and you ask Google, what's wrong with me? And the symptoms tell you that you're about to die. You may as well just you know, check if you will. No. Uh, you do go to the doctor. You go to the doctor and you, um, and you get checked out and they might do blood tests, pressure tests and uh, check your weight and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, of course, you could actually ask people who have been alive for a long time and we have a number of them in our congregation, praise the Lord, uh, why, what is the secret to your success? And isn't it funny how often, I shouldn't say this, but how often you know, the, the media finds someone who's 120 years old and they say, how do you do it? And they say, oh, I, have a, I have a cigar every day. You know? <laughs> you go, oh my goodness, you've, you're breaking all the rules. Uh, we want to grow a healthy church. We want our church to not just be, but we want it to be healthy and flourish. But how do we know? How do we do this? Uh, I want to suggest that we, could, we can work on some diagnostic tools now, don't worry, I'm not getting too technical. We're going to be using the Bible as our uh, way of working out, um, not just what we should be doing, but how can we check whether we're, whether we're going okay and where, where we could do, um, uh, where we could do new, new things or refine old things. Those sort of, that, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to start today with um, the basics. We're going to go back to basics. Growing a healthy church is to begin by listening to Jesus, to come back to him. Uh, what, did he, what did he say? And uh, 
he actually said, uh, he gave us four points that set the church going forever. Four points that come from, from Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20, that set the church going forever. The four things are all authority, all nations, all that he commanded, and wait for it, always. Uh, the last one doesn't quite fit. It sounds right, but it doesn't, isn't spelt right. Always. Uh, all authority, all nations, all that Jesus commanded, always. Uh, all authority in heaven and earth. Listen to the words of Jesus in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, who did he come to? He came to the disciples, the 11, because Judas was no longer part of the 12. We are down to 11 men who are, who are still with Jesus. He said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These are the words of Jesus. These weren't written 200 years later by the church who then started pretending that Jesus was bigger than, than Ben-Hur. You know, this, this is something that came from the mouth of Jesus right after his resurrection. Jesus says, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. You just can't get any higher than Jesus. You know when you're on the phone to someone and they're at the bank or it's at, at uh, you know, some government place or even a, a shop front and you're trying to get something done and you're talking to someone at the counter and you say, well, I want to talk to your supervisor. And you're not getting anywhere there, you want to talk to someone else. Well, you've, you, once you get to Jesus, you can't ask for someone else. You've got to the very highest point. But let's look at what the Bible says here in a couple of places. In Philippians chapter 2, 9 to 11, he says, Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, is, God has set him in the highest place with a name above every name and every knee will bow. Philippians, uh, Philippians also says that in Jesus' humility, he came down to earth to lay down his life for us, to become human, to humble himself by becoming the form of a human, even and, and to dying even the death on a cross. And so his name is above every name, but he has also shown great care for us. He is one who has all authority and all care. And that's the kind of person we want to follow and salute and actually worship. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in, and in him all things hold together. It's a very simple verse there. You can read the whole context of Colossians 1. It says that uh, everything has been created through him, for him, and by him. Everything. As we look out the window, you, you can't point at anything in this world that has not been put there because of Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. As we, as we look out the window, you might see a car drive by or a person wander by. I don't, it doesn't matter who is in that car. It could be the King of England. He's been made for Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus. There is no name above him, no, no one greater and everything is here for him. Colossians chapter 1 also says that he's the head of the church. Now, what does that mean? In, in Colossians chapter 1, it means that he created the church 
through his death and resurrection. So both Philippians and Colossians says no greater person for us to, to, to give our attention to, our worship, our life to, and no better reason than that he would give his life for us. And lastly, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But for that joy, not just to be seated with God the Father, but also to be seated with God the Father with us in his good company, so that we could join him for eternity. He, in his, the joy set before him went through the cross for us. Uh, we sang that beautiful song, How Deep the Father's Love. It was our sin that held him there. What a wonderful line that is. Our sin held him, that held him there, but it was his will to come and lay down his life so that you could have eternal life with God, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no name greater than him. Who shall we listen to in this world? Shall we listen to the... To the, to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who will bring, who should we bring our lives to? Who should we sell everything for? Who should we pay attention most and foremost in our lives? Well, it's the King of Kings and the one who has laid down his life for us. So when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, we don't just yawn and say, well, that's fine. You're the, you're the king, you're the boss. But what does that matter? It matters because Jesus laid down his life for us so that we could come and worship him and love him. And so with joy, we will come and worship him and lay down our lives so that we could, be, we could, we could salute him. Uh, Captain Jesus, he's the master of the winds and the waves. These kids' songs, they are so profound. Uh, you know, there's good theology in them. All authority, all nations... Jesus says, all nations, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How many nations should we go to? All of them. There's a cute story. You can Google this. Um, um, I'm going to forget the name of the country, but there was a country that was, that was discovered last year who had never, missionaries hadn't reached yet. Last year. You go to the um, Anglican Aid website, they've got the story there. It's amazing. Anglican Aid went there to, to, to help um, during a time of, uh, I forget what the tragedy was, a drought or a flood or a fire or something was going on. Anglican Aid went there and they found a village that had never actually seen a white person before and had never, never heard Jesus. And you know what, they, they preached the gospel to them and the whole, whole you know, hundreds, thousands of people gave their life to Christ because they heard the good news. We, we need to go to all nations. You know, this is, Jesus is not talking, this is not like the Coca-Cola, I think it was the Pepsi Challenge. Who remembers the Pepsi Challenge? It's a long time ago. I think it's an 80s commercial. Uh, who was born before in the 80s? Um, and, uh, and, and there was a, the unmarked two colas, cola brand one and cola brand two, and you drink one or the, one or the other and you choose which one you like, and guess what? It happens to be the one you never expected to be the one that was nicer. It was a Pepsi commercial, I think. Uh, the Pepsi. It's not like we have so many different varieties of gods and we just get to choose one and every nation can choose whatever god they like. No, there is one true god. There's only one god. 
out, this whole universe was placed out here by the, by the means, will and wisdom of one being, and that is God. Uh, not many, one. And so all nations, everyone, uh, deserves the right to hear who, who made them and who has come to save them. There's one Lord of all, only one. And, we, and he says here to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them or bringing them into the fold, baptising them, teaching them in the, the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So we are not just saying, look, come and believe in God. The book of James says that the demons believe in God and they shudder. It's not enough that we just say, hey, do you believe that there's a God? Yes, great, you're probably going to go to heaven. No, we say, do you, know the, do you know the living God who's made himself known to us? Do you know the one who came at Christmas? Well, we celebrate it at Christmas time. Uh, you, know the, you know the one that we celebrate who came to earth, uh, who is the son of the Father, the son of God. And we need to teach everyone about the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's a very Christian doctrine. There's no other, no other faith, no other religion in the world that has three persons in one. It's unique because it's, it's, it's so bizarre because it's so true. It's so genuinely authentic and, and godlike. Uh, and so we call all nations into the universal church, the one church. We come by all different brands. There's Anglicans and Baptists and Presbyterians and, and you can name uh, uh, the mainstream ones and some other ones. Uh, but if if we're teaching people about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son come to earth to lay down his life so that only through him we can have eternal life. It's not through works. We're not telling the nations that to come, and, to, come to church and, and be a good person. Don't come to church and just read your Bible, pray, and, and think about God sometimes. No, come and know Jesus. Come and hear about him in truth and, 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 and wrestle with, uh, with, the, with the complications uh, of knowing God, these three persons in one. All authority is given to Jesus, not shared with anyone else. All nations need to hear this good news. Uh, and we're to teach all that Jesus commanded, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching, that did get me thinking this week, what is it that Jesus has commanded us? What other things we need to uh, share with people about the commands of Jesus? Did Jesus come to earth and teach us new laws? Did he teach us, do this, don't do that? Well, I want to say no and, and yes, but no. Uh, he taught us, uh, people, when, when people listen to Jesus speaking, they often said, uh, who is this man? He speaks with such authority. His lessons were genuinely fresh and original, uh, unlike the preachers of the day who would say, here's what, here's what you should um, believe because rabbi and ra these rabbis say these things and here's the, here's the picture. But Jesus spoke with authority because he came from the Father to make the, make the Father known to us. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 14, John 15, verse 14, he says, all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. All that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus has disclosed to the 12 disciples everything that they possibly need to know, uh, to know, to worship God in spirit and in truth. He didn't hold anything back. In fact, in John 15, the very same passage, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. There's a commandment of Jesus. 
His rules, it wasn't, they weren't like the ten, they weren't in the same nature of the Ten Commandments. In fact, when Jesus addressed the Ten Commandments, he didn't say, forget them. He said, you have no idea how deep they run. You can't just keep the commandments. You actually have to understand that this is about, you know, real love for the Father, real love for brother and sister. Jesus taught us about relationship, real relationship, uh, not superficial. Uh, he wants us to connect with, with God in truth and deeply and righteously so that we are friends with God. And he wants us also as a church to connect with one another. Friends, we're all sinners and that is a really hard thing for us to do. We're so bad at it. You know, we, have, we all have, all of us, have so much learning to do with, with, with these horizontal relationships we have. But Jesus said, you know, you, people will know that you're my disciples when you have love for one another. Uh, it's often the, the truth that in, in churches we get hurt, but that's because churches are filled with sinners who are learning, who are coming to Christ to begin with, and having come to Christ, we're, we're learning and growing. So we want to be learning and growing. And uh, we don't just read a manual and go, I've read the manual, put it in the shelf and move on, but it's a continual teaching, isn't it? We, le- we learn by listening to the words of Jesus all authority has been given to him. We need all nations to hear it. That, that means even, even all of our neighbourhood to hear and to teach all that Jesus commands because he's the, he is the source of all of this knowledge between the Father and this world comes through Christ. And the last word is always. Uh, he says in verse 20, the second half of verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, all the days... Every day until the end or the completion of the age that we're currently in. The age that we're currently in is the one that, that commenced from the resurrection of Jesus Christ and will finish at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now that has been 2,000 years and it could be another 2,000 years. I really don't care how long it, it takes. It, do, it doesn't matter the duration, it means that it, but it does mean that until the whistle blows, until the trumpet sounds, we... Take the gospel to all nations. And we, we come to Jesus ourselves and we grow up in the gospel. This is our priority. Who's the boss? Jesus is the boss. Think of this as a job description. Who's the boss? Jesus is the boss. Uh, what is the job? The job is to make disciples. What's the KPI? What's the uh, measuring line? What, how do we know whether we're on track or not? Well, we ought to see people coming to know Jesus and growing up in Jesus. And that's our output. That's what we're trying to achieve. And we're going to do that together. What's the duration? How long does this contract go for? Uh, All of our lives. Until the Lord takes you home. Don't think about retirement. Think about being freed up from your paid job to keep on going for the Lord. What about the supervision? Are we left alone in this? No. That's, That's actually quite crucial in verse 20 and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age Jesus hasn't gone and said well that's it I'm done I've done my hard bit Jesus says I've done the hard bit and now I I, I pass what was the language we learned last week I pass the lampstand over to you you need to you need to hold up the truth of the gospel to the world friends what I've done in this first little section I think that I think the two-thirds of the sermon I've got another third to go 
um, what I've done is laid down these four things that Jesus has established for the, for the rest of, of the age that we are to be on about always. Uh, and I want us to understand that this is the command of Jesus. Uh, I, I did ask the question, what are the, what are the things that Jesus commanded? He commanded us to love one another. He also commanded us in this little section here to make disciples. Go and make disciples. That little phrase, make disciples, is an order. The captain has spoken. Our captain has spoken. And he wants you to make disciples. He wants me to make disciples. And so this is where I think the, 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 the awesome, you think that so far all that's awesome, his record's even awesomer. What does healthy look like? What does it actually look like? Uh, healthy looks like, first of all, in, if you look at verse 16, it says there, then the, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, um, when, when they went, they... I'm going to mutilate the language here, but when they went to the, to the mountain, they, they goed to the, to the mountain, if you understand. Uh, the word go is in verse 16, just as it is in verse 19. So first of all, the disciples goed to the mountain to do what? They, they gathered around Jesus and they worshipped. They came to him just as Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, verse 17, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. That's an astounding thing for a, for a Jewish um, born, bred, taught person to do, to worship a, a man. It's, it's, it's outstanding. It's incredible. Uh, it's a great shift in mindset that they saw Jesus and they realised that this is, this, he is worthy of their worship, their life. They commit their life to Jesus. They, uh, they praised him, they honoured him, they saluted him, they channeled their passion towards him, they're convicted that he is now the ruler of their life. They worship him. We worship things all the time. We're going to talk about this in future weeks, um, giving up other things that have our attention and giving it to Jesus. But they, first of all, they gathered. And so we're going to gather. This is what we do as a church. We gather not just to do church. We gather to worship. We gather to be in community together and celebrate that God has laid down his life for us so that we can, be, we can have that great relationship with him, um, not earned by ourselves but paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. His cost, our benefit. We gather. That's what a healthy church does. Uh, it's the logical, logical end of understanding who Jesus is. Do you notice also in verse uh, 17, they came to him and they worshipped but some doubted, it says, which means there's scope for people to be curious. And friends, if you're here today and you're still grappling with who Jesus is, this is a good place, this is the perfect place for you to do that grappling. Don't ask the questions elsewhere and then when you think you've finally got it sorted, come to church. We, we want people to come to church and, and come with those doubts and so that we can say, doubts are great. But if you, once, once you're presented with the, the logic and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the logical conclusion is, well, C.S. Lewis put it, didn't he? You either conclude that Jesus is a, is a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. There's no fourth option. Uh, he, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's either a liar, doesn't believe it, he's either a lunatic, thinks it's true, or he actually is Lord. And so the foregone conclusion of of, of that first 
That third uh, uh, conclusion is to bow down and worship him, to gather around him in fellowship with one another. We also want to reach, in verse, uh, verse 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the command. The command was also to love, but the command here is to go and make disciples. Why, would we, why do we need to do that? Why is it an urgency? Because, you know, churches, uh, every church everywhere that I've ever gone to, listened to, participated in, the observation really is that if you stop putting your foot on the accelerator, accelerator of making disciples, then you just drift and you be. And you become content to do the gathering bit, the gathering and worship, uh, forgetting that we need to go and make, to go and make disciples. Why, why the urgency? 1 John uh, 5, verse 12. 1 John 5, verse 12. Whoever has the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. It's a very simple, straightforward sentence. You either have the Son and therefore eternal life, or you don't have the Son. You haven't comprehended who he is and given your life to him, and therefore you don't have eternal life. You're, you're, you're without salvation for eternity friends i've said i've said this before i'll say it now and i'll I'll say it again and again and again heaven is real and we want people to know about it so that we have a, a real hope and not just guesswork about how we get to heaven how we how we how we enter into eternal life which we, which begins in this life by the way not not just when you die but heaven is real and hell is real uh, i was reading the missionary updates from um, omf uh, which is a, um, one of the great missionary societies in our world, uh, kicked off by the famous Hudson Taylor who went into China. Uh, and uh, I forget the number he says, but he's famous for saying something like, you know, millions of people are dying every day without knowing Jesus and they're going to hell. Um, the, another another um, missionary in that same, in that same um, company said something like, if you want to know, uh, if you want to be motivated to preach the gospel to people, then just dangle yourself over hell for 24 hours. That'll give you motivation for the rest of your life. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And we want to guide people towards security forever. The church, therefore, is uh, output-driven. It's an ugly business kind of term. But when when we... Whatever we do together, we want to make sure that we're doing things as fellow believers worshipping the Lord and seeking, reaching for people, the lost, to come. Over, over the coming weeks, we're going to find joy in this because here's the punchline to this whole sermon. Jesus has given us a command. Jesus has given you a command. If you've come to Jesus and you don't doubt, you know that he is the king of all kings, then Jesus has commanded you to be making disciples. How are you going with that? That's a guilty question. But I want to to celebrate with you that we're better together. If you might think, oh, look, I I can't, I couldn't tell you. If I had a, a, um, you know, a a review of my work for the last 12 months, I'd be struggling to work out who I spoke to, what I did. But friends, the beauty of this here is that Jesus didn't just isolate Simon Peter or any of the other disciples. He, he gathered all the disciples together and said, go and make disciples. Do it together. We are, we are, better, uh, we are 
better together. As we reach, as we grow people up in the word, going deep into the word so that we don't have shallow believers, we have people who, are, who actually not only know why they believe, but they're very confident to teach, to tell other people about it. Because Jesus says, go and make disciples and teach them uh, to obey all that I command. What did he command? He commanded them to make disciples. And so the conclusion is that we are making disciples who will make disciples. And that goes on and on and on. The, the fact that we're here today is because you were discipled by someone who was discipled by somebody else, and the chain goes on and on and on. And so, so friends, we're better together. Uh, church and our growth groups are disciple-making uh, moments. I loved Stephen Davis, and I didn't talk to him about this. He, he introduced us today as a, as, as a disciple of, of church, a church of disciples. That's the language we want. Those who are sitting at the foot of Jesus, learning about him and loving him and growing and wanting other people to know him as well. We are for Jesus. That's, a, that's the uh, four words that our Archbishop gave to, um, to the Synod as we met recently, uh, the, the government part of, of our Anglican Church. He said, we are for Jesus. That's his little catch cry. We are for Jesus. You want to know what our mission statement is? We are for Jesus. I love it. It's simple. It's memorable. We can carry it on our tongues. We don't have to look it up. Um, we're for Jesus. And the good news is, in this passage, we're told that he is with us. He's with us. Always. Till the end of the age. We've got the highest authority behind us who wants us to thrive and be a healthy church. So I'm looking forward over these next uh, coming weeks to think of areas like gathering and, and, and doing that well. Uh, like, like reaching and doing that well. Like growing and doing that well, and, and that all of these things are done better together. Uh, we, we want our, our Sundays to be excellent. We want our, our love to be authentic. We want our ambition to be always, always a little bit better because Jesus says to all of us that you are to come to Christ and continue to mature in him. So, friends, I'm, uh, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for this whole series. I hope that you're here uh, as many weeks as is physically possible. Uh, if, you, if you miss a week, the sermons are online. You can catch up, make notes, talk to one another. On the back of your handout, there's a little takeaway. It's a snippet of the growth group material we did during the week. So if you're in a growth group this week, you've already answered these questions. Um, but if not, here's a little... On the back of the, of the sermon outline is a little... A small portion of what the growth groups looked at this week. You could take that home and have a have a look uh, at who Jesus claimed to be, what he sent his disciples off to do. And uh, friends, I, I want to make one more announcement. I'd, I'd love, I, I suspect we'll have a couple of people say yes to this. I'd love to have a baptism Sunday towards the end of November. So uh, I'll be I'll be seeking out who who has never been baptized before, who knows that Jesus is the king of all creation and he's the king of your life and you would, you would be proud and honoured and overwhelmed and thankful to be baptised into the church of Christ. We're going to do that towards the end of November. I won't set the date until I've um, had a few people come to me and say, I'd love that. I'd love you to do that. I've been a member of this church. I know that they've been baptised, baptisms here before. End of November, let's... Let's look forward to that. Pray for that day as a day of celebration uh, as we see this church bringing more people to Christ, growing up in him, and then reaching the rest of the world. Let's pray. 
Our Father and our God, we thank you for giving us such a simple um, message of what we are to do and what we are to be busy doing. Father, we need your help. We can't do this without you. We thank you that you've given us the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his authority, all of his words which he shared coming from you. And we've, he has given us not just permission but a command to go and speak to this world about you. Father, please fire up in us uh, that uneasiness um, that we would feel the discomfort of needing to speak to people about Jesus. I pray, Lord, you'd, uh, you'd help us to overcome our nerves, our fears. And I pray, Lord, for your, the, the, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who teaches us, enables us, and guides us. Father, we pray for this uh, term as we look at what a healthy church looks like, as we celebrate the things that you've been doing in this church for many, many years, and as we, uh, as we look forward to 2024 and beyond, growing and continuing to grow as a healthy church. We ask for your blessing on this in Jesus' name. Amen.